Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is the third episode three of the Inheritance Podcast. I'm Rusty. And I'm Mia. And this episode, we are going to be taking you on what we promised last time, the journey of Mia's story. And kind of, you know, where she came from and who she is. We're going to dive into that a little deeper. So, um, let's just get started and go back to her childhood. And get ready for rabbit trails. What's it all about? (laughs) Well, hi, everybody. I hope you enjoyed Rusty's journey and his story and kind of more of a background of who he is and where he grew up. And now it's my turn. Um... Yeah, I grew up, I think I had mentioned it in the first episode, born and raised in central PA in a very small farm slash woods. Is that how you would describe it? Minor town. Yeah. So the town that I grew up in was a town that coal miners established. The house I grew up in was built in the middle of the 1800s. The only house I've ever lived in before I got married. It's pretty amazing. My mom still lives there. Yeah, so that was weird for me <clears throat> coming from Georgia. You know, it's there's not, at least around the Atlanta area, there's not a whole lot of things that are, you know, that old around there. Should I say my joke? Or at least, we at le- well, at least houses <laughs> that people are living in. Um, you know, Civil War happened. That helps. Or so not. what she's trying to say is... <laughs> Burn it to the ground. The Yankees came down and burned our whole city to the ground. So I say that joke and he doesn't take to it very well. But I think it's funny for some reason. But I'm over it. <laughs> we hold no ties to the <laughs> Confederacy. <laughs> but anyways, the town I grew up in, very small, like a row home. And I'm talking about a row home of 12 houses all smacked together. We lived on the end. Rusty shared that everywhere he went in his tiny town, everybody knew him or was related to him. Not so much the related part in like where I grew up, but if you opened your front door, you could probably count on a minimum of two other people in the row peeking out to see what was going down. So it was close, close knit. And everybody that's lived there moved in kind of the same time that we moved in when I was one it's a very small house there we weren't a big family it's just my mom my dad my brother and I have an older brother he's two years older than me but I was always the more mature one and everybody thought I was the older one no he might be three because he's like a year Yeah, he was born in 81 so I mean yeah three years yeah three so this tiny town did not have a lot of kids our age and the kids that did live there were all boys Especially in our quadrant of the neighborhood. Because really, when I say a tiny little village, it was like one road in and one road out. When I first met Rusty and he came to my mom's house for the first time, my mom and my dad's house, I didn't even know what the roads were called. I think I told you it in terms of like... Landmarks. Yeah, like make a right at the pig farm and then make another right at the fire station. And, and I <laughs> had to call her and get better or try and get better directions. So, yeah. But let's talk about your family a little bit, though. You know, you grew up in a very small town. 
you lived in your childhood home since you were like one year old. Yep. Only house I ever knew. Yeah. So, you know, it's your dad, it's your mom, it's your brother, it's you. Mm-hmm. You know, how was that? It was exceptionally stable. Like you said, only lived in that one house. I went to an elementary school. All the friends that I was in elementary school with followed to middle school, followed to high school. Never moved schools, never moved neighborhoods. The kids that I saw in school every day were kids I knew since forever. Right. So very stable. My parents always had very stable jobs. We grew up in a very, very, very safe neighborhood. So it was very predictable, very safe life growing up. Yeah. So your dad, he works in a factory. Yep. Your mom's a nurse. Yep. Nurse my whole life. And, you know, also, I mean, she's in the military. Yeah. As well. I kind of went hand in hand with her nursing. Right. And so my mom was not only working full time growing up, but also in school and in the military. So much like most kids in the 80s, we were left home alone a lot. But my neighborhood was, like I said, super safe. We played in the woods all day. There was a small group of boys that lived in the neighborhood, which mainly got annoyed with me because they were friends with my brother. But no, no girls that lived within walking distance or anything. Until 1995, a girl moved into the neighborhood. Yay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that's kind of where like my first big turn in life happened. Because I think I had shared before, we were raised going to church, but there was no Holy Spirit. What does it mean to get saved? It was religious. It was <clears throat> it was ritualistic. Yeah. You know, and it was just... Like you say grace before meals. Yeah. You pray when you're hunting so you kill something. <laughs> Bring home the, the, yeah, it the was, meat. Yeah, it was a very like, I didn't really see my parents reading the Bible or anything. So religion was real to me, but Jesus wasn't really real. The Holy Spirit wasn't really real to me until this girl moved into our neighborhood and she shared with me who Jesus was. Which I was like, I totally know who he is. And how old are you at this point? I am in fifth grade. Okay. So how old are you in fifth grade? Like 10, 9, 10, maybe 11. No, 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was probably just 10 because I was on the younger side for my grade. But um, it was interesting because she's talking to me about Jesus and I'm playing it cool because I don't want to lose this girl as my new friend because she's the only girl in our neighborhood. Yeah. And she starts asking me questions about being saved. Do you know what it means to accept the Holy Spirit into your life, accept Jesus into your heart? And I had no idea. And so she kind of started mentoring me. We would sit together on the bus. We would hang out in the evenings. And then she invited me to a church camp that summer in between fifth and sixth grade. And church camps, man, they get you. Oh, they do. I mean, which I'm a sucker for a good cabin that smells mildewy with like a vinyl covered mattress i'm all in well when they set the stage like that (laughs) but there was like hiking i'm all in there wasn't it wasn't like really cool like they are now like there was no zip lines it was mainly like archery swimming crafts worship that was also my first you say worship or warship (laughs) <laughs> worship okay. All right. <laughs> maybe i did no there was no warships okay there but i did experience 
thought maybe it was like it was a late it was a late game or something <laughs> like you played it down on the lake or something. I don't know. Okay, after lunch there's Red Rover and, and Warship. Then <laughs> Warship. Okay. But um she you know, you could pick some of these I forget what they were called, kind of like elective things. Like at two o'clock there's crafts or swimming or worship. And you know, mid nineties acoustic guitars. Oh yeah. And I had felt something for the first time in that worship setting. And I remember breaking for like afternoon quiet devotional reflection time. And I asked my, my like dorm mom, my cabin mom, what, what do you think that was? And Mm -hmm. so she kind of shared, it was probably the Lord touching your heart. And I thought that that was interesting because I had never really experienced that. And I was like, it was kind of like my ears were like super peaked at this point. Right. Because before this, I was interested, but I was like, I go to church. I do what you're supposed well, to you do. you only ever known like going through the motions. Right. And that was, I mean, that's kind of. And I wasn't a bad kid. Like I'm a super people pleaser. I just like I straight and narrow. I was doing the good, right stuff. Yeah. And let's real quick. Let's compare <laughs> you to your brother. To my bro. Who we uh, love. Yes. <laughs> we I love. love him so much. In case he listens to this. Yes. He's my favorite brother. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because also right around that same time. It was a journey. Yeah. But it was almost like, again, up until that point, we were went to the same schools, rode the same school bus, had the same friends. Everything was almost identical. Right. And then right around that same like 1995, 1996 time where I was starting to hear about the Lord, he was starting to hear about some other things. Some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where our paths really took a, a fork in the road. And I was, I think, really like innocent and completely unaware of what all that was. I just knew he was getting in trouble and I didn't want to ever be in trouble. I didn't even like when my dad looked at me the wrong way. Like I might even be remotely in trouble. Well, and we can take, we can sidebar a little bit and just explain that, you know, Mia's dad. Which my dad, not to jump ahead. My dad's has passed away. So he won't. Hear this. <laughs> no, he will not hear this. Um, well, you know, he, he might, could. he might. He's but, proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this is a man who was, you know, for 140, 150 pounds soaking, soaking wet. wet. <laughs> one of the most intimidating fellows I have ever met. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm much heavier than he is. Mm. Or he was. So, you know. But my dad looked so scary. But right, he really was. Yeah, it was so it was based tender. on appearance alone. <laughs> I mean, picture like And he was a man of few words. So yes. he didn't say a lot. He had like deep he, set eyes. You never like, knew what he was thinking. Kind of quietish, gruff voice. Yeah. He had a long ZZ top looking beard, long curly mullet. Like he's He was a biker. The, the agenda that he put forth in the world was watch out. <laughs> yeah, it was more like you didn't have to really be bad A. As long as you looked bad, eh? Most people would leave you alone. Yeah, and, and that, that definitely was, kind of was my dad. Yeah. Because sitting and talking to him, he really, I mean, 
you could cuddle up on his lap. You know, he was just. Well, you could. Not I, me. Yeah, you would not. But he was very. Uh, my dad grew up rough, grew up military and was, again, I like I shared, my parents did the right things on paper, <laughs> like at face value, but they weren't walking with the Lord. And another thing that I want to add here is that no matter where somebody is with the Lord, without the Lord on their own, I mean, I don't want to sound so cliche and be like on your own journey, but when you're an adult and you become a parent, you know, you start to realize that like, I can only give you what I have. Right. That's it. And I was much older when I really kind of put those things together, when I got married, when we started having kids. Because, you know, you start saying, this is how I was raised. Either I like that or I don't. And I want to give that or not give that to my kids or into my marriage. And so I know that my parents only could give us what they had, what they knew, what they have experienced. Right. And it was not at that point walking with the Lord still living their life however they wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they had religion, so they gave you religion. Yeah. And, you know, your dad had a rough life. Mm-hmm. And he gave a rough life to my brother. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I mean, you were, I think you were such a good kid. It, mm. it was easy for him to spare you that in a yeah. way, you know, and just like with your, you know, your grandparents, your mom's parents, right? they knew hard work and, mm-hmm. you like know, you put your head down, you do the work, you work till you die. And that's your mom carried, yeah. your mom carried that on with mm-hmm. the way that she, pursued her career so yeah when you really look back at those things unless jesus is the real jesus is inserted into the whatever dynamic is happening in life right unless jesus comes and interrupts Mm -hmm. really we we inherit and we get past those things from our parents now it is up to us to choose to yeah like I said, you either cycle. see those things and say, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. Those, you know, you continue that cycle mm-hmm. or, you know, like we have, we thank the Lord that he mm-hmm. has invaded our lives and, yeah. cha- you know, he called us to him and it's changed our trajectory forever. Yeah. You know, you, you really can't. I mean, it's when you look at it through that lens, it's hard to really judge right non-believers that way because it's just you know at one time we were non-believers yeah and you can't set that framework of scripture on somebody who doesn't know that or have that yeah so So you can't set that yeah yeah i just think that's just such a i mean it's such a it's opened our eyes as far as like the grace that we need to have for people who don't know the real Jesus and don't have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can do that right with our own families. Exactly. I mean, it, it starts right there. It does. It absolutely and does. I'm sure if you would talk to either one of our sets of parents, you know, they would look back and say, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, whether you're a Christian or not. <laughs> so all those decisions and how you did what you did, it is what it is. So... But yeah, once Jesus enters the scene, for me, I keep 
continuing on that trajectory. And my brother goes on his trajectory. And thankfully, he actually makes it to graduation. We really were crossing our fingers about that. And I was praying for him. But he was really, that was like my first experience of, in quote, witnessing <laughs> to somebody. Yeah. Sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, and also right around that time, I had started doing some outreach stuff in in the city that, you know, our, cl- our closest city. I'm doing air quotes. You our can't town. see me. Our, our town. town. <laughs> um, working with like some younger kids, middle school kids, high school kids. And that's where I ended up meeting that, that friend that I had shared with you about that had shared the gospel with me. We continue to be really great friends. She said, hey, I help out with this outreach. I met my other, one of my other really best, like best closest friends there, friends, plural. Mm -hmm. And, you know, made it on through high school, graduated. Um, I was not, I loved being in school, but I just didn't like being there. (laughs) I loved learning, but I really got, more into like art and music and stuff there. So uh, that really did kind of also amp me up for graduating and moving on and pursuing some of those things. But my senior year, my plan was to not go to school, (laughs) not go to school. That's for sure. (laughs) My mom was really upset because again like Russie had shared you know she's coming from a place where her parents said if you ever want to be anything you need well, to get a more, college degree yeah i was more <laughs> referring to how many days of school you skipped during your senior year it wasn't it wasn't call you out a little bit it wasn't technically skipping because if you had a media pass which i was on like yearbook newspaper staff nerd alert we could yeah but I could flash that thing and go home and take a nap <laughs> um, until my dad found out one time. And then we just went to the only restaurant that was in our town, which was the brand new Friendlies, because there wasn't anything else there. Um, man, now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, high school is over. Boom. Graduated. And I had big plans to go to Bible college with my friends that I was talking about that I met at the youth outreach. And I had all of my paperwork sent in and I had all of my essays, my, what is it called? Application fees and all of that to go. And this Bible school was in Indiana. This was not like a local to Pennsylvania school. And my dad, who didn't care what I did, because I told my guidance counselor in high school that I wanted to be a bag lady, and he called my dad and said, we need to have an intervention. <laughs> Mia wants to be a bag lady. This is no future for a young lady. And but he time, didn't know what my dad looked like or how my dad was. <laughs> well, and when I found this out, when I found this, this, this out that she told her guidance counselor this, <laughs> I just pictured, and I don't know timeline wise whether this movie was out yet, but I just pictured the the old pigeon lady in the park in Home Alone 2. You know, like Kevin came out to help her and 
you know you know i didn't even think of a bag lady being like that i meant like a checkout lady in a grocery store like the bag lady at oh. the end of the checkout <laughs> okay i was thinking like which one has more dignity <laughs> i don't know no no offense to anyone that bags groceries that's a, well because that's i was job. working in like stores like and retails and, and stuff yeah. so i just really love talking to people so that's why i was like if this could be my job where i just talk to people for these little like three minutes of my day so my dad went into the guidance counselor and said my daughter's gonna do whatever the beep she wants to do and then the guidance counselor just said thank you sir my dad showed up with like a pack of cigarettes cuffed in a sleeve my dad had like tattoos and piercings and not my guidance counselor had like a plaid bow tie on and like a tan suit, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's literally like, you know, biker guy meets <laughs> yeah. Bill Nye. But my he did it behind my mom's back. I think I told that story to my mom maybe like a year ago. She's like, I never knew that I would have never approved. Because my mom was so pushing for me to go to a... Higher education. Yeah, higher education. You get a career, and then you can do whatever you want on the side for fun. But you need that career if you're ever going to be anything. And my dad was Which, not... not to take a, that... Yeah, that's... I just knew that that... And specifically, my mom was a nurse. So for her, nursing okay, well, was such a guarantee. So your mom's a nurse? Yeah, my aunts are both nurses. Her... Yeah, her aunts, her mom's sisters are all nurses. And my mom's grandma. It skipped a generation, but there's tons of nurses Lots in the whole nurses. family. So Mia was kind of unspokenly expected to right. continue on this this path. Yeah. And she felt like that was no. not what... <laughs> my mom said yes. I said no. So she wanted to go to Bible college out in Indiana. Yeah. And my dad really went to bat for me about that. He was like... If that's what you want to do, awesome. If you don't want to do that, awesome. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. And so I remembered getting off work with my friend, same friend that introduced Jesus to me. And I just said, and she was getting ready to go to a university that was in our state. <clears throat> and so we were kind of getting together for dinner, like right before we both were supposed to leave our hometown really for the first time. And I said, I know this is so crazy, but I just don't feel like I'm supposed to go. And she was like, well, you're supposed to leave like really soon. And I just said, I just don't know what it is. It's like a check in my gut. And I never had really said it out loud because I wasn't really going to explain it like that to my parents because they would probably like chuckle like, oh, did God tell you? <laughs> Because they didn't really get it. Mm -hmm. Even though they were supportive of me, my mom was kind of on board mildly. She thought I was going to go and then come back and go to, in quote, real school. <clears throat> but my friend encouraged me, like, if you really think that that's what God is asking and putting on your heart, then you need to obey. And that was like the first kind of like, not only is this decision major for me for my whole life, it felt like, but it was like, I thought I was being obedient and going, and now this has changed. And so I called the school when I got home, and I said, I'm not coming. And they said, you know, nothing's refundable. And I said, that's fine. And then my dad got home from work, and I said, hey, I called the college today, and I'm not going to go. And he's like, oh, 
why not? And I remember taking a really deep breath because I never really talked to my dad before about the Lord. He never really saw me read my Bible because he'd kind of like make weird comments like, oh, are you going to take your Bible with to school or whatever? So I never really talked to my parents about my walk like that. I was just really intimidated and not very confident. And side note, in this area, people (laughs) end their sentences with prepositions. So they end the sentence with, do you want to go with? Did I just say that? You did. You said, are you going to take your Bible with? Oh. So for those of you who aren't from Pennsylvania, (laughs) like myself, I didn't even hear myself say it. Exactly, but I did. So I mean, I know you tell me all the time that I say that and go up at the end. That's another. Your thing family also to. makes fun of you for saying that now. Cause uh, yeah, because I have. You've there on are the some things bandwagon. I have picked up, but anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, but I remember taking a deep breath and telling my dad I really was praying, and I feel like God told me not to go. Right. And my dad said, "All right," and I said, "I'll I'll pay you back for the money that." I won't get back. And he he said, don't worry about it. You're going to be home. So what are you going to do next? With like a really big toothy smile. And I was like, you're not mad. Because I was like sweaty palms. And then I was kind of left to figure out what are, what do I want to do? What are my passions? I knew I didn't want to go to nursing school. Right. And I was scared that if I didn't make that decision, my mom would kind of give me a good shove. So I thought about where I spent most of my time in my high school career, which was in the dark room developing, developing film in the dark room. (laughs) Actual film. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, All of our stuff that we were shooting for any publications for our yearbook or our newspaper, the majority of it was still on film. And all of my photo, independent photo classes I was taking was all on film. Digital hadn't yet come onto the scene so I thought it would be really great to pursue photography and our community college at that at that time had one of the best photo programs in this part of the country and so I thought I would go for it and my mom was really happy because it was a community college she got a nursing degree from years before and I thought that was kind of totally doable. I could commute there. There was multiple campuses around. I could still work full time. And that was kind of what I just hopped right into. So I ended high school, canceled my decisions for Bible college. My friends left. And then I continued working that summer. Then I started community college. All real quick, like my dad was thrilled. My mom was happy. And at this point, a part of my other backstory with my family dynamic was that my brother had been kind of in and out of jail at that time. He was in jail right before I graduated high school. He missed my graduation. Yeah. And he was incarcerated when I started college. So really around that time, there was another big break in what our family dynamic looked like because he wasn't even there. Yeah. I know he uh, he was kind of in and out when I came on the scene. Yeah. So, and if yeah. he was out, he wasn't living a very stable life. Right. So yeah. he wasn't part of family gatherings, holidays. You never knew when he was going to show up. You never knew what state he was going to be in. You didn't know really anything. Right. And that really did affect a lot of our whole family dynamic because I was still going on family vacations as like an only kid Yeah. at that point. So 
that kind of brings us up to. Man, I will say you guys took like the best vacations. Oh, we did take really I mean, great not vacations. Like, not elaborate, but like <laughs> solid quality family vacations. And, you know, if you listen to the previous episode of this podcast, <laughs> you know that my life, you know, I can maybe count on one hand um, yeah. and not even fill that hand up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my brother and I joke that we really thought that we were super poor growing up because we were... A lot of thrifted clothing. My parents always drove beater cars. And my parents didn't buy us nice things. And the vacations we did go on were not like trips to the Outer Banks and Walt Disney World. Like our and other not, friends not, went not to. Not knocking those for right. anyone who but it, when, was, you know, was when fortunate you're, enough to take those vacations. Right. So, but like when you're a kid and all of your friends that you're in sports and stuff with. Yeah. Are like, oh, all of our families vacation together. I thought, man, we don't. What's that like? But I think I was what? What did I tell you? I was like 16 or 17 and my brother and I were sitting around and we're like, why are we so poor? And my mom's like, what are you talking about? We we have a great life. <laughs> and as a parent. They were just very frugal. Yeah. Because my parents said, we never take sick days. We drive these beater cars so we can take almost two and a half or three weeks off every year, every summer to take two full straight weeks of a vacation somewhere. Yeah. And they were like really cool camping trips in Canada, Virginia, Massachusetts. Like And that was kind really of really cool. And part of that too was your religious upbringing where it's like the opposite of the um what we talked about it before where it's like you don't you don't ever, you don't, you hold on to everything you have. Right. In fear that if you let it go, it will never come back. Right. So in the terms of finances, like what I, I think you're getting at is like, you don't want to spend money on that. But if you kind of hoard it and keep it for yourself, at least it's there. Yeah. You know, and then when the, you know, when the offering plate comes around at church, you throw right. in a dollar, maybe a five yeah. or whatever, because it's, you know, you're not. In that way, even with your finances, you're not you're not yielding them to the Lord. You are, you know, you are working. It's it's part of this yeah. the works mentality. The works mentality. That's kind of what I was getting at. But yeah, you know, it's uh yeah, that's a good tie-in. Which that in this area is so it's common. Pre- it's, it's prevalent. Yeah, it's prevalent. It's with like the you, Amish it, with the Mennonite. Right. Um, you, you work know. really hard. You don't live lavishly. Yes. You you hold on to all of your money. You're not giving it away freely. You're not. Yeah, you're just kind of sitting on it. Right. <laughs> and and hopefully nothing bad ever goes on that you need to spend it. But if you do spend it, then you like pick up a side job to replenish it. Right. So, so the, it's a work. Yeah, it's like you, you know. Not that your parents were thinking of in you know, that works was going to get them to heaven or anything, but yeah, which is very common with Mennonite and Amish and a a lot of religions. Actually, you you do all the things right. And that earns your ticket. Yep, exactly. But again, I don't think that my parents even saw it like that because it was such like a generational thing that was instilled in them that this is how you do it. Right. You graduate high school, you get a job, you work at that job until you die or retire 
and then you just hang out until you die <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. so you die or either jesus comes back one of those yeah. two things and yeah and and there's nothing wrong with frugality i love being frugal no if you i'm not saying waste your money um yeah. you know but growing up my or parents live, or live lavishly or whatever I mean, right everyone you do what you feel yeah ev- that's what i was gonna say everybody kind of invests their their finances where they think it's what they want to spend it on yeah, and also, we are not knocking hard work either. We just feel, I mean, just to establish like what we believe, you know, it's really, you know, my my hard work is not a salvation issue. Right. Um, we don't believe that hard work is a salvation issue. What we do believe, however, is that our salvation is dependent upon our faith in Christ and what he has done for our salvation. Right. So that is a two way street where he did it. I have to actually believe he did it. Mm -hmm. And then, and and then that's it. Yeah. It's really salvation. Yeah. It's really working out of the work that Jesus did, not for the work that he already did. And, to earn it yourself. Right. And so then we believe that if we truly believe that, like into the deepest parts of our heart and spirit and soul, that hard work is a byproduct of that. Right. Because I feel that is one way we can honor the Lord. And there's many ways we can right. honor the Lord. But that's just one of one of the many. So... You know, it's kind of flipping that whole religious mentality around where it's like hard work earns me a ticket. Right. But we know that the ticket's already been purchased. So you get to work. I get the ticket and then I get the joy and the honor of working hard for the kingdom. Right. And so that's where that's where it's kind of I feel like the world, you know, it twists what the true intentions of. Right. You know, how the king, you know, the kingdom, you know, it talks about in the Bible many times where the kingdom, it's a, it's kind of an upside down. Right. Where like whatever the world is, the, the last or first just... and the first or last and the, mm. you know, you, you know, the, the least are the greatest and the greatest are the least. So it's, yeah. you know, and the works based mentality, it, it seems like it would be the practical thing. Mm. I mean, it seemed the, or the logical thing because course the harder i work the more i make right and the and the more security i have and the more security i have you know i have and the more i can make for the kingdom obviously the more the lord will love me and it's really that's not what it's all the kind of like look at my life aren't i aren't i good enough right right i was also talking to my brother about this today we i forget the topic that how this came up but we were talking about what it means to like strive right to achieve or tick boxes or you know get to a certain status or get certain things or what it looks like when you're functioning out of god is my provider and he's either gonna you know manna wasn't really a works thing that happened for his people when that happened in the wilderness 
just like today, he could provide me a job that provides my family what they need, but everything has to come from him first. Right. And so when you have the mindset of all of my provision comes from the Lord, every single thing, the air I breathe, the food I eat, the house I have, the job I have, the family I have, the marriage I have. Yeah. And what happened when they stored the manna? It didn't go good. No, it, it, was, <laughs> it, it rotted. It was yeah, it was rotted, and yeah. nothing against having a savings account or storing anything right. up because that there is wisdom to that to those things. Right. Um, but I think that was it was in that at that time it was the Lord trying to teach, um, yeah. you know, teach them like taking it into your own hands. Yeah, teach them, you know, just making one hundred percent reliance on right. on Him, and uh, you know, people go through those seasons. I mean, I'm mm. currently, we are currently in one of those seasons right now. Absolutely. So, you know, where kind of our life has been turned, I don't want to say upside down because it's not quite, yeah. not quite that crazy yet, but it's, you know, we're definitely in a season where I feel like the Lord has told me, I got this. And right. Like, let's do this. God's yeah, way. Like I've, you know, there's a lot of things in my life where I've tried to control the the parameters. And, you know, it's because my dad taught me, hey, it's you want something done and done right. You got to do it yourself. You got to make it happen. And so I've been, you know, I've fought that for a long time. And I feel like, you know, for the first time in my life, this is kind of the Lord has helped me to actually let go and trust in his provision wholly. So I'm getting kind of rewired and reprogrammed in this season, and I'm so thankful for it. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing um, ride. It's been a lot of unlearning. Yes, unlearning is a great way to put it. So, you know, we just want to encourage anyone who's maybe in one of those seasons or thinking that they may be headed towards one of those seasons or coming out of one of those seasons that – Man, the Lord is so good. He's got you. Um, I mean, he's had yeah. us through this whole time. I can't thank him enough. I can't praise him enough. I can't love him enough for all he's doing in our lives right now. And, um, you know, so, you know, I think we're going to we're going to wrap it up. Right. And the next episode is going to be kind of go into where the much anticipated is it much anticipated? I have I have heard that this is the one they're waiting for. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, for the few listeners we have right now. That's okay. <laughs> people are excited. Listeners are excited to hear the story yeah. on how we met. Because it is fun. It is a fun it's, one. My I'm, version's really fun. Yeah. My <laughs> version is the male version, which is, you know, to the point. But, um... And my rabbit trail version, an extremely detailed version, is really fun. So that's going to be the next episode. So one more thing that I wanted to tack on here at the end before we cut this one is really important because leading up to this episode, recording this episode, I was really just thinking about, man, my testimony is pretty boring. It's not exciting. It doesn't have any of these like, oh, I ran so far away from the Lord and then I came back again. It was very straight laced. But the reality was, is that I still was without a personal relationship with Jesus. I needed that. 
I still need that. And if that's you, if you think I live a really great life, I'm, I don't really, I don't do anything bad. I'm not living on the edge. I live a pretty safe, normal life. Yeah, because mine had all the good stuff in it, like <laughs> divorce and kids out of wedlock. And, and atheism. You know, yeah. And you just really, you skateboarding. Really punk. spicy, delicious. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, just be encouraged. Any Any story that you have, it's your story. And Jesus just wants to be in the middle of it. And. Yeah, we were talking about it. Don't get caught up in comparison. Yeah, we all know comparison is just stupid no matter what. Yeah, with whose testimony is this or that or whatever. But we each have our stories, and they are what they are. And for better or worse, good, bad, you know, Christian life from the, you know, very beginning or, you know, it's like the parable of the workers in the field. Mm. You know, the ones who were there all day got paid the same as the ones that came at the end of the day. Right. The ones in the beginning had a problem with it and it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair. (laughs) But the farmer said, isn't it, isn't it my money to do with what I wish and give it and pay whoever you agreed to it. You agreed. You knew what you were getting what the day's wages were. Right. And so go on your way and enjoy you know, and that's kind of what that what that means. And so don't compare. Don't worry about it. Your, yeah. your story is your story. This other person's story is their story. And yeah, Jesus came for everybody. Jesus is amazing. No matter if you're you've been at the party all night long. <laughs> all night long. Or <laughs> to quote Bishop Garlington, quoting Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. Um, so anyways, whether you've been at the party all night long or you just showed up, mm-hmm. let's all be a part of it and rejoice and have a good time and celebrating Jesus. Absolutely. Um, because he's worthy. Right. And we need him. We need him. Every day. He has to be the center of our story. Once we right. realize he's missing from the story. Yeah. From there on, he needs to be the center of the story. Absolutely. That's really well put. So he's my... Uh, what do you call it? Everything. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> is he the author and perfecter of your faith? Well, I was going to say, uh, what do you call us the main person in the story? Heroin? No. Hero? No, the... Lead. My gosh, I can't even think of this. <laughs> I have to cut this out. He's the... Dude, I cannot get procrastinator out of my head, and Jesus is not a protagonist. Protagonist, thank you. Oh Dude, we my need to keep gosh. that. All right, we'll keep it. In. Protagonist. Yeah, Jesus is not a procrastinator. He is not. He's the yeah. Is protagonist really what that means? Yeah, because protagonist is like the hero of the story, the okay. main, and then you have the antagonist, which is the antihero. Antihero. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome, guys. On that note, <laughs> now that you've heard some you of our back little, and forth. A little nugget of how our brains work. Um, Thank you so much for spending another episode with us. Thanks for supporting us. Again, you'll find our email in the description of this podcast. So if you have any questions or prayer, anything that you specifically would want us to talk about. Yeah, please send it over to us. I mean, and it's simple. It's the inheritance podcast at gmail.com. It's not fancy. You can remember that. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't, I feel for you. 
Yeah, because you can. You're you're a reader. You found us. Yeah. And if you like what you hear, you can rate us. You can subscribe so you get notifications when we release new Heck episodes. Yeah, give us one of them five star ratings. Mm. And I yeah. said it all southern like for own purpose. Okay. So <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. It's late, man. We're doing this pretty late. Our, our kids are our asleep. Kids are all tucked in bed. Somebody yeah. asked us, Wow, where are they recording this? It is so quiet. I don't hear any of their kids or animals. We got the furnace shut down so we it do. doesn't kick on and disturb mm-hmm. this uh you know, this here podcast. So you know, it's getting a little chilly in the basement. We're going to wrap things up here. And thank you guys so much for once again tuning in to the Inheritance Podcast. Bless you guys. I hope you have a great week. And until next time, bye-bye.